0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hey Freedom Church, I truly believe the next few weeks has the potential to significantly impact your life as we go through this new series of Stand. We're going to be looking at if you take the stand for the right things, the right way, at the right time, it could change the course of your life. And and conversely, if you compromise the wrong things at the wrong times for the wrong reasons, it can cost you more than you can imagine. In this series, we're going to look at the story of Daniel, a well-known Old Testament figure, a stranger in a foreign land, and looking at how he learned to adopt to the new place he was living in and adapt with everything around him while staying completely committed to his God. We're living in a strange new world, aren't we? Living in a strange new season, how do we maintain the the practice of standing up for what is right, being committed to prayer and choosing to worship God when we're pushed to our limit? We have a choice to make. Are we going to take the path of least resistance? Or are we going to have the courage to stand? Stand. Using the book of Daniel, we're going to look at how we can stand out for God today. We're going to look at how we stand firm in our faith. We're going to stand up for injustice and stand strong in the difficulties each one of us faces day to day. For those who aren't familiar with the story of Daniel, I'm going to give you a quick context of what we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks. The story goes to be like this. The, The bad guy of the story is King Nebuchadnezzar. King Neb is like the villain of the story. He's the one you'd boo at if you went to some kind of pantomime and you'd saw him. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And around 600 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army, they ransacked the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem was pulled down, the walls were ripped apart and damaged, they burnt the temple of God to the ground and they went and stole all the temple artifacts. They made a huge mess and, and they, they, they damaged and they hurt and they wrecked all the crops and they did if they could to ruin this great city, the city of Jerusalem. But what was worse than ransacking and taking away their spiritual artifacts was they also took away their future. They would go into every major city, uh, and, and they did the same in Jerusalem, and they would take away with them their best young men. They would go and take away the strong ones, the wise ones, the ones who were growing up and had huge potential. And they would take the future potential away from the city and take them back to Babylon. And it was deliberate. It was a deliberate plan. They would take them back to uh, Babylon to intentionally indoctrinate them into Babylonian culture and to train them in the way of the Babylonians. So they would then become future governor leaders and part of the culture of the Babylonians. It was intentional a plan to indoctrinate them. And so if you go into uh, the Bible here, and Daniel start in chapter 1, the screen will actually have have words on top of the screen all being well. If not, go straight to uh, verse 3. And it says these words in chapter 1. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families, who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only the strong, healthy, good-looking men. He had to choose the best of the best. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. That's an important point there, to train them in the language and the literature, train them to be like a Babylonian. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They would be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. So the plan was a degree course in Babylonian culture to become like the king wanted them to become, to become more like their captors. They were a thousand miles from home. They were away from their families and they were being coerced and brainwashed and and changed to become more like their captors. And it was intentional. The intention was, it was a deliberate plan. If we can make them think differently, if we can make them believe differently, then they will behave differently. And the truth is that's what happens today with the enemy, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. He is looking out to go, how can I make you think differently? How can I get you to believe differently as a follower of Jesus? So then you can behave differently. It's so subtle. Romans 12 tells us to do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed, but it's so subtle. It seeps in all through our culture. We say, yeah, I won't be transformed. Yes, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus. Yes, I'm gonna live for him. And then it's like a full scale attack going on around us. We are seducted with the lies, with the deception that moment where these young men are put in front of the king's table full of great food, great wine, and said, you can have all of this. You can have everything, everything you ever dreamed of. You just have to adjust slightly. Just change your thinking a little bit. And it's the same today. As Christians, we face all these subtle attacks in our media, in our adverts, films, music. They're just little moments, subtle messages. that says, if you buy this, if you behave this way, if you think this way, and before you know it, The thing you believe in has just changed subtly and slowly over time. And you realise you're not where you used to be. See, I don't believe you can be a passive Christian in our time today. We have to make a choice. Are we going to carry the label of being a Christian? We tell people, yes, when they're asked to fill in a form for a government organisation, what religion are you, right, Christian? That's your label. But is it your everyday faith? Are you working it out day by day like Daniel was choosing to do? Or is it something that's a passive thing you do when you're asked to? You know, In the same way we say you, you, know, you can't go to the gym once a year and tell people you live a healthy, fit life, that you are fit and well when you only go to the gym irregularly. In the same way you can't say people I have a really healthy diet if you only eat one healthy meal a week. And in the same way to say to people, yes, I'm a a follower of Jesus. I, I would call myself a Christian, but you only turn up to church Easter and Christmas. Or maybe you do once a week, an hour or 45 minutes of church online as we're doing right now. Maybe that's your story. But to live a Christian life requires more of us than just a label. It's a belief that affects everything that we do. It should transform our thinking and renew our mind. That's why the writer Paul in the book of Ephesians, uh, in the bit about the armour of God, he says those words, he says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He used the word stand three times in two verses. Take your stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Sometimes there isn't much we can do, but we can just stand. You know, the world is getting messed up and there are things around us confusing. We don't have any certainty anymore. And sometimes we have to stand. We are praying like mad. We're worried about the future, but we just choose to stand. We choose to stand for our children, to stand for our future, to stand for our future prospects, to pray and then stand, to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the shoes of are fitted with the gospel of peace and the belt of truth. And we put those things on and then we stand, stand firm them, he says. And that's what these boys were doing, uh, Daniel and his friends, in this story we're hearing about today. In verse six, we go on to hear about Daniel and his friends Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. They were four of the young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff, Ashpenaz, we heard about earlier, he renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego, Abednego. They got new names. These four young boys, uh, scholars reckon they were probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. These are teenagers. And if you're a teenager listening today, or you've got got teachers in your house, then this is a, a, a very susceptible season of life, where you are open to all sorts of suggestions. These young boys were taken away from their homes. They are miles away from their families. They've been stripped of their identity. Their names have been taken away. Their dignity is being crushed. And they've, been, they've deliberately taken their names, which are all pointing towards Yahweh, the one true God. And they're now pointing towards Babylonian gods. And they're saying to them, here, eat, of the table of the king. You can have the best of the best. Even though the meat and the wine on the table had been dedicated to pagan gods. They were not, they were not foods that Jewish boys should be eating. And they chose to stand out for God. They made a decision to choose and to say, I'm gonna do something different. I'm standing out for my God. They predecided to stand. And Daniel, it says in verse um, 8, was determined, or in some versions, he was uh, resolved in his heart not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given by the king. He asked the chief of staff for his permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel had chosen to stand out. His friends had chosen to stand out with him. And now he's pre-deciding. He's saying, it's resolved, I am committed, I am not going to waver on this, this is really important. They didn't fight when their names were taken that we know of. They were just their outward labels. They knew who they were and whose they were. But when it came to defending the name of God, they wanted you to eat food that that has been blessed to another God, that has been part of a, 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 a kind of a celebration of another God and say, eat this food, eat this wine, eat this meat. They're no, we're not going to do that. Now, I'm not talking here about uh, vegetarianism versus meat eaters. I'm I'm not saying that. This is not a pro-vegan talk. This is about saying about being obedient to God. And Daniel had pre-decided. He decided, I'm going to give my life to following God and doing things his way. But you know, we could rationalise this. We could say, you know, God understands Daniel. He understands that you're in a tricky place. He understands you're away from your family. He could also say, well, everyone else is doing it. Everyone else, all the other boys from Jerusalem, they're eating the food. Or he could say, well, it's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting other people. Or maybe I've got to eat. I mean, someone's got to eat something. And you can rationalise the decisions you're having to make day by day. And it's the same issues today. We are facing the same things today, which is why we need to make a predetermined resolution to follow God. Because we can say, well, everyone else is doing it. It does it really matter. God will understand I'm in a tricky place. I've got to make a decision. It's not hurting other people. Does it really matter anyway? But if we're gonna stand for God, we've got to make decisions ahead of time. And it's always better to pre-decide before you face a difficult situation. You know, if you've pre-decided that you're going to be somebody who's not going to get drunk, that you're just choosing, I'm not going to spend my time going out drinking too much. Then you need to choose. Actually, am I going to have just one drink when I go out? Am I going to have no drinks when I go out? Am I choosing not to go out with certain people because I know the implications of that? And we pre-decide the implications of what we're going to do. Or maybe you've decided uh, that you don't want to have sex with your uh, with anyone until you're married. That's a choice you are making. Well, the time to make that choice is before you get into a relationship. It's not when you've had a few drinks and you're going back to their house after you've been out for the night and they say, do you want to come up for a coffee? And at that point, think, what decision do I make? If you've pre-decided, you won't even get to that place. And that's why it's so important, this idea of pre-decision i I've deciding when I'm in the office, I'm not going to laugh at the inappropriate jokes. I'm not going to talk to somebody about their spouse on a personal level. I'm not going to talk about my spouse when I'm in the office and the things that we're going through. I'm pre-deciding about my behaviour. I'm pre-deciding not to get caught up in materialism and want to look over the fence and see what someone else has got or I admire someone else's a new purchase or a new thing or I see an advert. I don't get caught up in going, oh, I wish I could have that. I'm pre-deciding not to do it. Or maybe you're pre-deciding about spending time with God, that every day I'm choosing to read my Bible. It's something I do. It's not something I wake up and say, do I feel like it? You pre-decide, this is a habit and a routine that's important for me and the way I want to live my life. Or maybe for you it's, it's the importance of saying, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to make it a thing, even though we're online. We can go to church online, we're going to set a time, we're going to invite family and friends to join us wherever appropriate and say, right, let's make a commitment each week connecting through church in this way. It's something I've pre-decided to do. As a family, we've always been to church every single weekend. That's what we've done. It's never been something we've got up in the morning and thought, do we or don't we? Our children have always come along. We've never said to them, do you want to go to church this morning? Do you not want to go? We said, we are going. This is what we do in our family. We've pre-decided. And making a pre-decision saves a lot of pain later on. What are you pre-deciding to do pre-decision make sure you're deciding what you do to stand out for God in the right way because the third thing here is we can stand out in the right way and in the wrong way and I would encourage you to be people that stand out for God in the right way like Daniel did You know, becoming a Christian is not a a one-time event. The big altar call, you go forward, you say yes to following Jesus, you have your moment, and you go, right, that's it, I'm now a Christian. A Christian is a daily experience. It's a choice every day, the Bible says, to pick up your cross and to follow Him. It's not about being weird, and I get frustrated when I see Christians do some strange things, pull out some crazy stunts, or say some outrageous things just to put an audience. When actually there's a time to say, no, enough is enough. And I'm not going to do crazy stuff and live life strangely to kind of make a point. How do I do it well? How do I stand out for God in a right way, not in a strange way? There are too many stories of Christians that just come across as odd and wacky with placards. And and, Daniel could have done that. He could have got themself, "Let's, let's get a little rebellion going. Let's get people kind of carried away. Let's kind of, you know, start chaining ourselves to things. But no, he chose the right way to stand out for God. If we go to verse 12, Daniel approaches the chief of staff and he says to him, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who eat the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. He's being brave here, but he's also choosing a respectful way of doing it. The attendant agrees to Daniel's suggestion and tests them For 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. As I said earlier, this is not about uh, becoming a vegetarian for 10 days and to look healthier, but here is the way that David. Uh, David, Daniel even did something really well. He, he stood out for God in the right way. He asked in an appropriate manner, he went to the person of authority with respect and he said, listen, could we do this? If it doesn't work, that's fine. We'll go to your plan. But could you give us a ta- chance to try this out? And Daniel honours authority and he creates a really helpful plan. You can stand out in the wrong way or you can stand out in the right way. And I want us as Freedom Church to be people that stand out for God in the right way, that we're respectful of those in authority, and we are are considerate of others. We speak out for God. We stand out for God, but we do it in a way that's appropriate. Do you have the wisdom to stand out in the right way? Is it all about wearing, you know, kind of crazy logos in your T-shirt or big bumper stickers in your car or leaving your Bible on your desk at work left open to a particular verse so hopefully some of your colleagues see what the Bible says? Or is it being gentle and kind and being respectful of others around you? That's what Daniel did. He had the wisdom to know when to talk and when to listen. And do we know when to talk and when to listen? When to... Tell people your story, to share your version, to share your faith. And when's it a chance to be quiet, to listen, and to stand out by being graceful, not just by being aggressive? At the end of this chapter in verse 19, it says that the king talked with them. And no one, this is with Daniel and his friends, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service they were the most impressive out of all the young men. That's what Daniel was, because he followed the ways of God, he stood out for God. And my challenge to you today is, are you gonna stand out as a Christian? Or are you gonna blend in to the background? I, I, I've had enough, of being a Christian that kind of gets subtly pulled into the ways of the world. We have to draw a line somewhere saying this and no further. This is what we believe in. We're gonna stand up and stand out for our faith. We can't just keep adjusting and adjusting and adjusting our faith based around the culture of this world. We have to push back against the culture of this world and say this is what the Bible says. This is what our Father God says. This is what we're choosing to stand out for just like Daniel did. If Daniel and his friends just blended in Nothing historic would have happened. If they'd have rebelled and they'd done it the wrong way, they probably would have been executed. But instead, they did it with respect and they asked good questions and they made a request and saw what happened. Time and again, we will be tempted to blend in. I have been tempted to blend in just to adjust my thinking to fit in with the culture of the day. But are we willing to take a stand and stand out? Do you want to be remembered as someone who stands out for their faith or forgotten as somebody who simply blends in. Take your stand against the devil's schemes, Ephesians says. Put on the full armour of God. So when the day of evil comes, take your stand. When you've done all else, stand. Let's be people who are remembered for standing out. Let Freedom Church be a place where people come who stand out for their faith and are known for their Christian faith by the way that we transform our society rather than be forgotten for simply blending in. When you've done all else, let's stand. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you of the story of Daniel. I thank you that he was a brave young man with his friends, brave young men who stood up for what they believed. Lord, help us to stand out for you, to know when the right time is, to do it in the right way, to make good decisions, to pre-decide what we're gonna do with our lives, rather than wait for circumstances to overcome us. Lord, help us not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to renew our mind, to be transformed, to be more and more like you, we pray, amen.